You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have right here in the United States. This is episode 127 of American Sex Podcast, and I am Sunny Megatron. My co-host and co-conspirator in love and life is Ken Melvoinberg, and he's going to be joining us in just a few minutes. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and we are kinky perverts too. It's a fun episode. You're going to love it. We have, uh, I think, the biggest crowd we have ever had on the podcast recording at one time. We talk with Lucian Khan, Sharung Biswash, and Dr. Kit Stubbs all about sex games. So let me tell you about these folks. Sharung is a writer, an award-winning game designer, and internationally exhibited artist based in New York City. Lucian is also a game designer, best known for designing the Visigoths versus Molgoths tabletop role-playing game. And Dr. Kit Stubbs is the founder and executive director of the Effing Foundation for Sex Positivity, who since 2017 has awarded over $150,000 in grants to sex-positive artists and educators across the United States. So the project that Lucian and Sharung were involved in, Honey and Hot Wax, has been funded by an effing grant. And all three of these people have done many other amazing things. So I highly encourage you to head on over to the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for episode 127 and read their full bios. So, okay, what the heck is Honey and Hot Wax anyway? It's an anthology of games about sex by a diverse group of 10 designers edited by Lucian Khan and Sharung Bishwash. From games that merely talk about sex to LARPs, which are live action role plays that feature sex acts, these games challenge how you think about role playing, sexuality, and human relationships. The anthology includes a foreword by game designer Naomi Clark, of Consentical and a chapter on safety and consent by Maury Brown. I'm telling you, this conversation is both a gamer geek's wet dream and also anyone exploring their sexuality or who considers themselves sex positive are also going to dig it too. Maybe you'll even have some nocturnal emissions of your own after hearing this conversation. So in this interview, we discuss how assigning sexual acts to game mechanics helps normalize conversations about sexuality and reduces shame. And that in turn improves people's personal and sexual experiences. And although this conversation was recorded before the COVID-19 shit really hit the fan, we do discuss how these participatory interactive experiences can be adopted to online group scenarios. So that's a damn good thing. I know what you're going to be doing. Oh, you are going to be doing it. We also talk about why not only including sex positivity and clear-cut rules about safety and consent in games is important, but why that same inclusivity must also apply to cultural diversity and inclusion of many marginalized identities. They also walk us through a few of their favorite games. Some of them use very subtle, cheeky sexual innuendo. Uh, another one is you slept with everybody in the game, and that's kind of the basis of where you start. And there's 
there's even another one where real life jerking off is how the game moves forward. We also learn a bit more about the Effing Foundation and how they uphold their mission about normalizing conversations about sex, learn who might be eligible for a grant, and about some of the other recent Effing grant recipients. Now, before we get there, you know we've got a little housekeeping, which in the land of American fuckers is now called ball washing. So I don't know how that happened. It happened on one of our American Sex live streams. Just sort of, you know, the term housekeeping has morphed into ball washing and the name stuck. So it's ball washing. So first, the, uh, you know, lower quadrant of the left ball. I want to check in with you. How are you doing through this whole quarantine thing? This is a trip, isn't it? It It's a complete trip. I am on day 28 of not leaving my house. And Although the not leaving the house thing isn't so bad, you know, I'm a homebody, I'm an introvert, so I'm kind of digging like, oh, the whole world does what I normally do. Uh, I'm also having a hard time still, you know, it's just, it's not a hard time being in the house. I think it's just a hard time processing what's happening in general. I think last week I talked about how everything seems so exhausting. Like I constantly feel like I'm out of spoons, even though I really don't feel like I'm doing that much extra. So that's still happening. And it's still happening, maybe even kind of worse now. I feel this week, this past week, I felt like I'm on the edge of complete burnout, which is not good, you know. So here's what I thought. Normally, we take two hiatuses during the year, uh, one of which is around the December holidays. The other is in June. So this year is what I'm going to do. I'm going to move a couple of weeks of our June hiatus forward a little bit. So we're going to be off the air for the next two weeks or so. You know, if I need three, it might be three. If suddenly I feel invigorated and inspired and so much better, it might just be one. You know, just bear with me here. I'm trying to care for myself. I'm playing it by ear. But if you're like, oh, man, what am I going to do for the next one, two, three, how many ever weeks it takes to do your self-care? Don't worry. You are certainly not going to be without us. We're still going to be doing the live stream of this podcast, American Sex Live, every Wednesday night, as usual, on the Get Vocal platform. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you're still going to get the bonus episodes during that time. And uh, there might be an embarrassing but hilarious Patreon makeup only video happening too. We'll see. We'll see. It's it's uh, And we're going to do our hangouts with our Patreon people as as normal. So we're not disappearing. Don't worry. So if you're like live show, what? I don't what, live podcast. Hmm? So it's not this podcast at all that you hear on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's completely different content. Our weekly live show, American Sex Live, happens each Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific. To watch it, you go to the link bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Sunny Get Vocal. And that's spelled S-U-N-N-Y. G-E-T-V-O-K-L. So you go there, subscribe, watch. You can also view recorded versions of all of our past streams there too. And as I learned this week, you can only see those past streams if you're actually logged into your Get Vocal account. So if you haven't created an account, do so. It's absolutely free. And then when you go to click on recorded, you'll see, I think it's like we have 16 or 17 past recorded hour-long episodes. 
So this coming Wednesday, okay, I'm, I'm not sure if this is 100% solidified yet, so I might be kind of talking out of my ass and it doesn't come to fruition. I'm still waiting for confirmation on this. Maybe I shouldn't tell you. Okay, if I do tell you, it's like a secret. Keep this a secret, okay? We are probably going to have guests this week on the 15th of April. And those guests are Cam and Karen Lee Potter, the mother and son duo from the Sex Talk With My Mom podcast. But like I said, it's not final. We're still getting the details down. If something falls through, it's going to happen soon. And maybe it'll be the following week or whatever. It's happening. Um, I don't know what we're talking about yet because, you know, everything's hard. My already poor executive functioning skills are completely out the window. I'm behind on everything and I can't think. But regardless, we'll figure it out by Wednesday, the 15th of April, Pacific time. Be there at bit.ly slash sunny get vocal. Okay, American fuckers, you know what time it is, right? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Our Patreon family just continues to grow and grow and grow. I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to the following people for becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon supporters this next week. You ready? Rachel, Jane, Brianna, Matt, and Nespo. Oh my gosh, thank you. Also, a big thanks to Bebe for increasing their membership level this past week. So thank you all from the bottom of our kinky little, no, kinky big giant giving hearts. I also want to give an extra shout out to every single one of our Patreon supporters. There's about a 100 of you, I think. So right now, your support is more important than ever. As you know, with us being self-employed and living the paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle anyway, we're in quite a bind after losing some of our income to the shutdown and the pandemic. So right now, your Patreon membership has a real and direct impact on our well-being. It helps us do things like feed our family and keep a roof over our heads. So absolutely, thank you so much. And you too, if you're listening, if you're not one of those 100 people, you can become a Patreon member at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American Sex. And you get stuff for your membership, too. You get bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, all of our regular episodes early, American Sex Podcast stickers sent to you in the mail. You get a shout-out on the podcast. Maybe other random surprises in the mail. Patreon-only video hangouts and a lot more. And our hangout this past week, we all played Cards Against Humanity together, and it was a lot of fun. And you missed it. Okay. With all that ball washing done, we've washed them all. They're squeaky clean. American fuckers, it is time to get geeky and LARPy with Lucian, Sharung, and Kit. We are super excited because we have another gaming episode today. We've got uh, a few people here, and this is actually a record for us. So this is the most number of people we've ever had on the podcast all at once. There's five of us all at the same time. And we're going to be talking about a new anthology called Honey and Hot Wax, an anthology of erotic games that's actually a collection of live action role playing games. And with us today, we have, and, and you know what, I'm going to let you all introduce yourselves really quick and you, if you could say your names and what your connection to this project is. Um, I can start. My name's Lucian Khan. I am one of the co-editors of the project. Um, and also, uh, I designed one of the games in the book. 
My name is Sharung Biswas. I'm the other co-editor of the project, and I also designed a game in the book. And hi, I'm Dr. Kit Stubbs. I'm the founder and executive director of the Effing Foundation for Sex Positivity, and we provided funding for the book. Awesome. That is just amazing. And for those of you listeners, uh, you might remember that um, it was Kevin and Alana, I believe. Alana. That, or Alana. Sorry. Yes. Alana rhymes with banana. I keep forgetting that. Yep. So Kevin and Alana <laughs> were also Effing Grant uh, recipients that and they just wrote the uh, their their new book series. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and we're we're gonna, I'm I'm eager to ask you all sorts of questions and especially learn a little bit more about the Effing Foundation because um there's so many great sex positive projects that have been funded. So we're going to get all into that. But to start off with, I want to approach the game directly. Now, let's talk about like what the different types of games that are going to be included in this anthology are and what, what is sort of the central focus here? Um, I can speak a little bit to that. Um, so to give you an overview, um, we have a total of eight games um, and um, we have a um, wide variety of different styles of um, live action role playing games. So we have games that are just for two players. We have games that are all the way up to 12 players. We have games that are um, just on the topic of sexuality. So that have um, themes about um, discovering your sexuality, exploring your gender, um, things that are alluding to sexual stuff. Um, we have stuff from that all the way to games that actually have um, sex acts as part of the gameplay. So we have a very um, wide range of things in this book. We also have um, a foreword by Naomi Clark, who is the designer of the popular game Consentical. Um, and we also have um, an entire chapter on safety, consent, and calibration to help players um, find ways of making sure that they're playing safe and consensually. So we have a lot of stuff going on in this book. And the focus uh, was interesting. So when, when Luch and I conceived of the, the project, we were thinking about two like rungs, right? So as Lucian said, they're like two styles of games. We have we were thinking about games that discuss sexuality. Uh, they they exist, but they're not as many as we would like, and they're not well known um, in the in the in the mainstream role playing game space. Uh, so we wanted to have that. But one artistic um, avenue that I've personally been exploring a lot is this idea of what can mundane actions stand in for within games. So we know that dice throwing can mean a lot of things within games. But instead of that action, can there be other actions that mean things? Uh, and then that idea moved forward and became, can sex acts mean something else in a game? Or can a game use sex acts to further storytelling where the point of the game isn't the sex act itself at all? You do it to further the story. And that those two ideas coalesced uh, into this anthology. Now that that is just amazing to me because being an old role playing gamer myself, like I've been gaming since 1978, and there's been a number of attempts to include sexuality in tabletop role playing games. And the biggest book that comes to mind uh, is the Book of Erotic Fantasy by Gwendolyn uh, Kestrel and Duncan Scott. But it was interesting. It was made as like an addition to Dungeons and Dragons and in tabletop stuff. So what they did is they just included elements of sex. This actually takes it to a whole new level. 
So what I wanted to know was, is there a consistent set of rules that apply to all of the LARPs that you all have edited? Um, I mean, the short answer is no. Um, and then the longer answer is sort of. So, um, <laughs> right. Um, the, the one thing that is sort of an overarching um, premise of the book is that people who play these games will be using the safety and consent tools from the safety and consent chapter. So there's a whole long list of um, techniques and strategies um, for putting in fail safes, things like safe words, things like um, other technologies um, for making sure that people can play safely and consensually. And then apart from that, all of the individual eight games have their own individual eight sets of totally different rules and systems. So this is not like here we have um, Dungeons and Dragons and here's eight sex types of Dungeons and Dragons. It's nothing like that at all. We have eight games that have their own individual self-contained rule sets and, um, and aesthetic sensibilities. I mean, both Lucian and I, in our artistic practice as game designers and interactive designers, uh, I would say both of us have this idea that game mechanics or the verbs you are doing within games are important and meaningful unto themselves and must match the aesthetic sensibilities of the artist and the experience you're trying to create. And so that was one of the things we were looking for when um, thinking of this anthology and when soliciting people to submit was that are you doing something where the sex act or whatever act it is, it, not all the games involve sex acts, um, are you doing something where the game mechanics speak to the the ideas of sexuality that you're discussing? Um, because it's, it's easy, I'm not going to say easy in a disparaging way, but it's easier, I would say, to be like, here's an existing game and let's add sexy stuff to it. Mm-hmm. But we were interested in this artistic bent of can we marry mechanics and message together to create an interesting discussion about or exploration uh, about um, sexuality and sex? I, I think I might I might be able to help out a little bit just with um, a couple of examples of like that some that would be great because yeah, like real co- quick I had I had one question yeah. and that is like when you're looking at game mechanics of old live action role playing games like Vampire the Masquerade for example when you're trying instead of rolling dice and you have to get a, a large number on the dice you go back to back with somebody and you do rock paper scissors whoever wins that conflict wins whatever the contest was do you have a similar resolution system in these games. Well, or, or, or um, is it even needed? So, I mean, I, I think that I can answer that question more clearly by, by getting into concrete examples. Sure. Um, because it's not the kind of thing where it's like, oh, we've developed one resolution system and it works for all eight games. It's like all of these games are, are their own self-contained worlds. Um, do you mind if I, if I just jump in with some examples of how some of these things work? Please do. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's start with a game like, um, Pass the Sugar Please, which is a game by Cleo Yunsu Davis. Um, this is a game where, um, the premise, um, is that everybody, uh, at this table and it's, um, it's a multiplayer game. So we've got, you know, maybe eight, ten players, right? Everybody at this table, um, before the, fiction begins all of these people have um all hooked up with each other at a secret bdsm sex party okay so you arrive at this tea party um and everybody has hooked up with somebody else there but you don't realize that 
everybody there was at the secret party because you all were wearing masks. So you only recognize the person that you hooked up with at this party, right? Here's our premise. So what you're doing during the game um, is um, it goes through a series of, of like high tea courses. So there's like a tea um, service and then a sandwiches service and then a scone service. And there are these different descriptions of the different teas and sandwiches and scones. And your job as a player of this game is to communicate something to the person that you had sex with the night before only using innuendos about the food. So you have to communicate like, for example, um, oh, I really liked it when you, when you tied me up last night, but I wish you had, you know, tied the ropes tighter. But instead of saying that because you don't want to let on that you're having a conversation about sex, you have to say something about this, um, you know, chive and cucumber sandwich that you have. Um, so this is a game that's, it's very humorous. Um, it's sort of playing with themes of, um, innuendo and um, what is appropriate to talk about in some contexts and not other contexts. Um, so that's sort of how that game works. Mechanics-wise, the Lucian picked that as a good first example because that, out of all the games, probably has some of the more constrained and structured game mechanics where here is a course here are the t's you can talk about here is exactly what you're trying to communicate so if you're thinking of in terms of a more traditional role-playing game like you asked that's probably hearkening back to one of those a bit more because it's very structured so the the first thing that came to mind is different scenarios that I could apply to this specific game, because this was one of the ones I was drawn to immediately, and there was two things that came to mind. The first one is I could set this up as like a Firefly live-action role-playing game and still have it be completely past the sugar, please. You could. I, mean, um, I, I definitely think you could um, you could riff off of it and like make your own... Um, or Victorian Cthulhu or whatever, just as long as I mean, tea I think is the, the central focus. Yeah, or I think the sex. power of, of role-playing games is that it gives players the ability to mod as much as they want um, and like change, you know, when... I mean, I... I, I both Lucian and I play Dungeons and Dragons, right? The official Dungeons and Dragons position is that the rules in the book are actually a guideline and your table at home can do whatever they want, right? Absolutely. So I think that's, I mean, that is the official position outside of tournaments and organized play. Um, and I think that applies to these as well. If you want to change things around, if instead of teas, you want to just talk about, I don't know, jewelry at a jewelry swap party, that the game, the idea of the game would still work. Of course, the other side is the author does, the author, designer, artist, I would say, does have specific things they're trying to communicate through their use of whatever elements, right? So while players are free to do whatever they want and they'll have a lovely experience. It's also interesting to keep in mind, well, what is the author actually trying to say? Why did they set it here and now? Why are they using food, for example, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Fascinating. And, and actually you had, you said you had some uh, other examples, Lucian. Of, yeah. Uh, so, so to give a very different example, um, let, let me talk for a second about my own game. So um, I have a game in the book called in the clefts of the rock. Um, and this game is much more explicitly sexual. There are actually sex acts happening during the game. Um, and the way this game works is that um, each player, and you could play it with two players, you could play it with a, a larger group. Each player's body 
represents a kind of otherworldly landscape, like another planet, right? So you're, you're role playing as I, my body is a planet. Okay. And, um, you have, um, a series of mechanisms that allow you to create some of the, um, geographical elements of that planet. So for example, I could say, Oh, my body is, um, made primarily of fire and oil, right? Then, um, you identify some types of touch that you're interested in receiving. Um, so for example, right, let's say we're, we're talking about my body part and we're on the genitals round, right? So this, it, it escalates from first we're dealing with shoulders, then we're dealing with mouths, then we're actually like naked and, and touching each other's private parts, right? Um, it's a sex game. So the, let's say I'm, I'm saying, okay, my, so my genitals are made of fire and oil, right? And, the types of touch that I am open to receiving are pulsate and swirl, for example, right? So I have some, some ad, some verbs here to describe types of touch. And then I give it a name. And, and what happens in this game, because it's a surrealist game, is I'm, I'm never going to actually use the human biological terms for my genitals. So there are no penises or vaginas in this game. Instead, I might say, Oh, this is um, the volcano of the land of Mazabloth, right? So I now have the volcano of the land of Mazabloth. It is made of fire and oil. Um, and these are the kinds of touch that are available. And then there's a formula, a script where other players can request exploring this region. So we're going to be explorers now in this weird planet, right? So somebody else might say, Oh, um, may I, may I touch the volcano of Mazabloth, right? And then I can say yes, or I can say no. And there's a variety of ways that you indicate, um, uh, consent in this game. I'm not going to get into the, all the details, right? But if I, if I indicate yes, right, then that player is going to pick one of the touch types. So maybe they are like, oh, pulsate. All right. So now this other person is pulsating my genitals in real life, whatever that means. But we're not going to talk about genitals. We're going to talk about the volcano of Mazabloth, right? So now, <laughs> right, this person is pulsating my genitals IRL, but we're going to have a little kind of conversation and they're going to be like, oh, as I approach the volcano of Mazabloth, the ash is coming up over the edges and I can see the dark clouds rising, blah, 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 right? And I'm going to respond, oh, yes, and as this explorer enters the land of the volcano of Mazabloth, um, many dragons from inside the core of the earth begin to roar, right? Or whatever. And we're going to keep talking like this until somebody gives the signal to stop, right? And this whole time, right, this person is basically jerking me off. Right. So I'm, I'm, somebody's jerking me off and we're talking about volcanoes and like otherworldly geography. So that is obviously a very different kind of role playing game than the one about tea parties. Right. And Absolutely. Like the, the idea is that 
the the variety when we when we were curating the because we had like 30 something submissions the first round and we whittled down that we were looking for a variety of like you mentioned uh, of game mechanics and styles so like the very constrained Cleo's game which is you know we're doing this tea party to a little more storytelling free form to a Lucian's game but also Lucian's game for example is very surreal right while Cleo's game is a lot more about real world and like what happens in in actual physical space and things like that so we were looking for a wide variety of topics of styles and like level of fantasy for example oh that's amazing that is amazing so i have a question i want to actually hear from kit on this one because i think they have a really unique perspective as to what this project as a whole can do to impact, you know, positively impact sex positivity, um, cultural diversity, and all those great things. But before you get to that, could you give the audience a brief rundown on what exactly the Effing Foundation is and how they fund sex positive projects? Sure. So the Effing Foundation for Sex Positivity, that is our whole name. Um, We are actually a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, and our mission is to reduce sexual shame, to normalize conversations around sex through art and education. And so we make grants to a whole variety of projects. Um, I believe we funded now 36 projects in our first three years, we've awarded over $180,000 to projects across the US. Wow. Thank you, (laughs) yeah. Um, And that's really from mostly individual donors, um, some corporate donors as well, but that, you know, it's it's other people recognizing that, that sex positivity is important and that it, we are trying, you know, we are trying to fund the things that nobody else will fund, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I know um, I got into this through making my own sex toys, and then I, you know, start meeting educators and speakers and authors, and it is it can be so challenging to find money for these kinds of cool creative projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as soon as the application for Honey and Hot Wax, it was untitled at the time, uh, you know, popped up. It was immediately like, oh, I mean, first of all, because I'm also a huge nerd. Okay. Um, okay. You know, Are you a and, gamer as well? Oh, yes. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So, of course, I'm also a huge nerd. But what was really exciting to me was that just this, this represented something that I don't think we've ever really quite seen and that, that Lucian and Sharong also have their own, you know, their own queerness, their own diverse experiences. They were reaching out to game designers of a variety of backgrounds and genders and sexual orientations. And that's also really important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, so I could not be more delighted that, that we are helping uh, bring this book into the world. Oh, that's amazing. And so I've been hearing more and more, and I know like some of the games that we play, we hear about who is on their development team and their staff, and there's more queer game developers, there's more trans game developers. Um, What, A, what are you seeing in the game industry? Is that becoming more and more common to find designers of this type? And B, why the hell is that important? I mean, I know why, but tell everyone else why. 
Yeah, I mean, I can say, um, so I I can only really talk about what I've seen in the more independent game design space because I have not had a lot of experience in um, the, the mainstream part of the industry. So I'm part of a lot of um, different communities of um, independent or small press game designers. And I am finding um, that um, there are a lot of queer people, there are a lot of trans people, um, there are more and more um, people of color and um, other people of marginalized identities um, who are getting involved in the indie game design space. Um, and of course, this is a great thing. And um, for me, I would say, you know, there are a few reasons why this is a great thing. One of them is just that um, you get really interesting games when you have people from a lot of different walks of life, right? This uh -huh. is sort of a no brainer in the sense that like, obviously if you, if all of the role playing games are being written by people from the same culture and the same demographic, it's just not going to be as interesting as if you have um, a wide variety of games being written by people with different perspectives and life experiences and cultures. Um, right. So even just on the level of having more interesting games in the world, um, I think we end up seeing a, a lot of really cool stuff when you have um, a more inclusive industry. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it's, it's more equitable um, from a, from a position of social justice to have people from marginalized communities participating in the industry. But even right. just on the level of like having more interesting games, um, I'm seeing a lot of really cool stuff coming out of um, communities that have more and more people from um, marginalized backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, one one company that I know that's doing an excellent job at exactly that, that's a more mainstream game company is Paizo. Uh, I know that they have, you know, well, like they, they, they it's just amazing how far they have gone to further progressive causes and include diversity. In fact, they've gone so far as to make a um, an advanced step of, in getting rid of the word race as something that you apply to one of your characters. And now they call it heritage. I mean, um, uh, uh, Lucian and I were on a panel with Crystal Frazier, who is one of the major writers at Paizo, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. it is really interesting because Crystal was talking about making like trans themes and um, making transgender issues an actual thing in the Paizo universe. Um, mm -hmm. And it was actually really, really, really interesting. And I remember playing Pathfinder when I was an undergrad and being delighted about like how characters were like gender breaking and things like that. Um, but that's not, I, I wouldn't, I would also like to say that there's still a lot of room that some of these more mainstream games oh, yeah, can go. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and like I see now, um, especially because I'm involved in some of these circles, there is more of a push, but there's still, um, strangely enough, this idea in many gamer circles that adding more diverse creators, writers, producers, all those things uh, is in some way, poli quote, politicizing, end quote, games. And, you know, a couple of things I'd say that first, all art is political. And if one does not perceive politics in art, that means the art is talking about politics that you already take for granted, right? Um, <laughs> yep. So that is one thing. And secondly, this idea of like, it's, it's kind of a strange idea to say that 
Oh, uh, if a queer person just wants their experience represented in media, why what why is that a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, so Lucian did a uh, Lucian talked about this idea of having more interesting games, right? Which is a huge thing as artists we're very interested in, right? Um, Franz Johansson in the Medici Effect writes about this idea is if you don't have diverse teams working on something, you will never have creativity. You'll just rehash the same things again and again. Um, uh, but from the another angle is that if we have more and more uh, creative work produced by people who are not from the normative um, backgrounds, uh, that um, sends the message that more and more diverse creators can and are making things that are worth consuming. So even at that level, the level not of the art itself, um, you can say by... But, but for example, Kit asked us initially to not just say we're going to have a diverse team, but to put in writing goals to have a diverse team. So in our grant application, we said we are aiming to have diversity, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And those kinds of things are important because we wanted this book to show lots of people, uh, two things, lots of people can talk about uh, games and can make cool games that are worth playing. And lots of people can talk about sex in different ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's one of the, like, loftier ambitions of the book. So I'm curious, when it comes to the goal of this project or the audience that you are hoping to reach or you think it will reach, is the purpose to bring sex positivity to the gaming community or is it to bring gaming to the sex positive community? extremely both um okay (laughs) i was i i mean at least my my dream of this book is that um people who are already interested in um you know books about sex exploring sexuality um things like um kink things like bdsm things like um you know all of the all of the things that people are interested in about sex anyway um, who maybe have never tried role-playing games or even really thought about role-playing games might pick this up and think, oh, this is interesting, right? Maybe um, I'll try role-playing games and, and see if this can um, add another point of interest or something for me to think about or explore um, in my sexual experience. So there's certainly that side. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if that's interesting to them and they're interested in the, the game aspects beyond the sex, um, that can sort of open the door for them into... Um, the world of LARP into the world of um, tabletop or things that aren't particularly related to sex. And then on the other side of things, um, I think it's um, an opportunity for people who are interested in role-playing games, particularly people who are interested in live action um, and embodied role-playing games to have a gateway into a, um, using role-playing games in a sexual context that is safe, um, that has an emphasis on consent, that um, is celebrating queer identities, that is um, aware of things like inclusivity, um, and that isn't just sort of like, oh, okay, we're going to do a sex, sex role-playing game, so let's have some, you know busty orcs or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That, that right. actually has um, uh, some nuance and some, um, some you know, delicate footing um, to make sure that 
um, a variety of different people can actually participate in this and, and feel supported. And I'm going to add two things to that. Uh, one is um, one of the, like, uh, Pelgrane Press is known for making high fantasy, like 13th Age, or like high action Knights Black Agents, things like that. So they have an audience of a very mainstream type of gamer, but they also, when they published Hashtag Feminism, for example, published a book of LARPs about feminism. And so we wanted to work with Pelgrane because they straddle this market and Possibly if all you've ever seen of Pelgrane is 13th Age, you would see, oh, what's this new thing Pelgrane's coming up with? And even if you don't play any of the games, just being aware that, oh, there is a a big name publisher who is legitimizing this idea that games about sex and sexuality are useful and good and cool, that itself would have a cool effect. Naomi Clark in the um, foreword has a really nice sentence where she talks about, you don't even have to play the games for them to be intellectually useful for you. You can just read the games and that still um, will open up new doors for you. And then the final thing is... um, one thing I am personally very interested in is the intersection of the game, of games and the fine arts. So when I teach, for example, I make my students make games based on museum visits that we go to, for example, like make games based on the fine art that we see. And the other way around, I'm very interested in games and participatory interactive experiences um, to be featured among uh, within the fine arts canon. And so one aim of this project is also games can and are artistic Uh, intellectual artifacts and objects and by making an anthology of games that discuss something that games don't often discuss in a serious way apart from busty orcs like Lucian said um, one of the aims is this will open up the community to the idea that games are artistic and some of the games are very like surreal and 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 cerebral um there's a game about uh, alien paras- uh, you and an alien parasite, and if you exist within the same body, what does pleasure, sex, and touch mean to you? Uh, that's by Cat uh, Jones and uh, Will Morningstar. Oh, yeah, it almost sounded like a trill from Star Trek. It was, exactly. I was kind of fascinated and, by and, that and one. It's, fu- it's clearly a fun game to play, but it also has very interesting uh, speculative fiction exploration element of like, what does it mean to feel within your body? What does sensation mean? Uh, what is pleasure? Because, you know, a lot, as I'm, we all know, or we all have thought about at least, um, certain ideas of sexuality are very, very, very cultural. Why is this part considered an erogenous zone and why is that not? So that game asks the question, can eating soup be an erogenous act, right? Um, <laughs> which I think is a very much more intellectual like exploration, I, I would say. And also, what, what does it mean to eat soup if you are being, um, you know, uh, infused with an alien symbiote that is experiencing soup for the first time. And is that some kind of shared erotic experience? So it, it definitely goes into this, um, you know, strange, uh, as Sharon was saying, sort of speculative fiction uh, direction. You ever had one of those awkward sex moments where you just couldn't find that tree anywhere because it was hidden in the bushes? Well, thankfully, you've got Manscaped to help that tree stand taller. What's Manscaped? 
they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, you might choose to remove your lawn completely and go with a smooth patio, or you could opt to trim the bushes into those cute little shapes. There really is no right or wrong way to landscape. Well, maybe there is if you're not doing any garden upkeep at all. See, with weeds grown all over the place, you are sure to get one of those nasty citations from your homeowners association. And yes, I am speaking in metaphors. The weeds, they're your pubes. And the lady with the clipboard standing in front of your house from the HOA is really the person in bed with you giving you a blowjob. And they don't appreciate hacking up your unkempt stragglers. Besides, if you get them all tangled up in her clipboard, that's really going to hurt. Let me introduce you to the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. It's got tons of goodies to take care of your South Garden. First, Manscaped redesigned the electric trimmer, and they call it the Lawnmower 3.0. It has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so it won't nick your nuts. And Manscaped has the answer to that ball stink problem, too. The Perfect Package 3.0 also contains both the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. These are products to keep balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. You know what? Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping using the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. Yeah, 20% off, free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code SUNNY. Thanks, Manscaped, for keeping that lady from the Homeowners Association from choking on pubes. Wait, are we still going with metaphors? I think so. I don't know. Sometimes it's so hard to meet sexual partners in real life. That's especially true with everything that's going on right now. And porn, well, doesn't offer you that erotic intimacy that you're looking for. Well, say hello to MyGirlFund.com. MyGirlFund allows you to form virtual relationships with sexy, amazing women. On MyGirlFund.com, you can meet, message, share photos and videos, and cam with those women in private. MyGirlFund was launched in 2009, and over the years, they have cultivated an awesome community of sexy, friendly women to connect with. Now, these are real people who are relatable and want to hang out. People should be paid for their labor, too. Now, it's very difficult for women to get paid for virtual adult work without risking personal exposure. Many women, they're totally willing to dirty chat or share nude content for money, but safe and discreet platforms are very rare. Well, My Girl Fund is a safe, private, and discreet adult community that allows women to control their exposure. They connect with who they want to connect with, control how they want to interact, and decide what they charge for these interactions. Yep, there are no set prices for interactions and content. It's all negotiated one-on-one. To support people who are trying to make ends meet from home right now, My Girl Fund is giving a $50 bonus to all women who sign up during the month of April and reach $500 in contributions. And as a consumer, you can join MyGirlFund.com for free. And for a limited time, you can also become a lifetime premium member for less than $5. All you have to do is visit MyGirlFund.com slash Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y. Yep, that means you can get discounted credits and bonus interaction features for life when you go to MyGirlFund.com slash Sunny. So 
You know what I'm picturing? I'm picturing like uh, a sex party or we go to a lot of you know BDSM conventions and sex conventions where at night it's like there's a huge, you know, sex extravaganza where it's like over here is the dungeon area, over here is the orgy room, over here is where the snacks and socializing are. Are how many of these games are suitable for and over here in this room is the sexy role playing games? I would guess like maybe half of them. Um, uh-huh. and some of them that aren't necessarily for that might be good warmups. Um, so, so some of these, um, there are, there are the ones that are sort of more on the like, yeah, you know, we're now we're touching each other's, um, junk and talking about volcanoes, right? That definitely, um, would be suitable for, you know, one of the rooms at the BDSM party. Um, but then there are other games I think you could have. Um, there's a game called Pop. I was by, just going to say, I have a huge clown fetish and I'm a balloon I'm yes. a lunatic. So this is totally up my alley. Perfect. So, so pop is a, is a really interesting game. It's by Alex Roberts, who, um, is a very many award winning designer. Um, she designed star crossed and for the queen. Um, she has designed this very, um, well researched, um, game about balloon fetish. Um, and it takes place inside of a internet that is represented by lots of paper on the wall and on tables and you're writing all over the wall and you're writing all over the tables. So you're physically inside an internet forum. Um, so there's actually no sex happening during the game. Um, but I think it could be really interesting as sort of a counterpoint, like another room at a sex party to sort of have this, if you know, you're at a very artistic kind of, kind of, um, place where you have people simulating what it is like to be part of an internet fetish community and sort of getting deep into like, what does it mean to be inside of an embodied internet? Um, so it just kind of depends, right? Is um, if you are at a sex party where people are interested in the arts and interested in um, sort of approaching some of these things from a different angle, I think it could be very interesting to play a game like that. And on the yeah. other end of the spectrum, we have run a couple of the games from the from the anthology at non-sex conventions, at gaming conventions. Uh, a few of them, the ones that don't involve sex acts, are very um, ac- uh, accessible to people who don't want to engage in sex activity. Uh, Pop is one example. Um, the one we talked about, Pasta Sugar Please, is another example. Um and The Sleepover uh, by Cat Jones and Julia Ellingbo is a third example. These are games that are, again, discussing sexuality, but in a, in a way that you can do without, you know, being naked. Oh, that's amazing. So, Sharong, I have to ask, can you tell us a little bit about The Echo of the Unsaid? Uh, yeah, so The Echo of the Unsaid was the most difficult game to write for me that I have ever written. Um I have won awards for games that I have written in one day, and the Echo of the Unsaid, I went through eight different versions of what I wanted to make, and it finally crystallized when my partner and I were driving back from a nude summer camp in Rhode Island, and I was, like, complaining about this isn't crystallizing, and my partner was amazing and helped the idea come together. Um, it's it's informed by my personal experience, because I went to a school uh, which was very fratty, um, so I had a lot of fraternities. Uh, if you're you know, not in the American context, or these social organizations in American universities. Um, and I had a lot of experiences, and I was in a co 
co-ed fraternity, but I had a lot of friends in single-sex fraternities. Uh, and I also had recently read uh, this book by um, scholar Jane Ward called Not Gay, Sex Between Straight White Men. Um, and it's a it's a great book. I went to hear her talk at NYU, and she signed my copy of the book with Lesbian oh, Love. Oh, that's amazing. It was, it was awesome. Also, one of my professors were her PhD advisors. So that was cool. Anyway, um, so, um, and these ideas um, of from that book, and I, I'd been reading uh, Bonnie Ruberg's Video Games Have Always Been Queer, uh, where she cites a lot of other scholarship about sexuality and all these things. We're trying mm -hmm. to fight with this idea of this fraternity thing. And I, so I came up with this game uh, after many iterations. It was initially going to be a priest spanking game but that changed very quickly um uh, it, it became the <laughs> idea of uh two like ostensibly like straight cis frat boys and how they are extremely attracted to each other and they keep doing sex acts on each other so the game starts with hand jobs uh, and uh, uh, I have to emphasize that uh, by hand jobs, it's hand jobs in character, as in the the genitals of the players do not matter, right? As long as you're doing mm. manual stimulation of in some sense in game, you are doing a hand job, right? Um, so uh, uh, it starts off with hand jobs, and then it becomes blow jobs, and then it ends with kissing, right? And the idea is that uh, it's called the Echo of the Unsaid because the players and the characters keep doing sex acts with each other, but the game forbids you from talking about it. So you can. That's awesome. So you can say something like, "Oh, I had fun the last time we um, hung out together. Would you like to hang out again? Oh, do you want to hang out in the same way? Oh, yeah, that could be nice. You know, you have you can use euphemism, but the game mechanizes periods of silence where you are not allowed to say anything, and you must just look at each other after this awkward sex act that you just did, and it does not allow you to directly reference what you've ever done." Even up to the end, the the epilogue of the game um, is you both stare at each other for three minutes, and you in your own head construct what is the future for these two characters. And if you think there's a happy ending, you smile, right? So even the ending, <laughs> um, you don't ever. The idea is all about like unspoken desire and not calling things because Jane Ward in her book talks a lot about like. Straight men affirming their heterosexuality, their white heterosexuality, by performing what are thought of as gay sex acts with each other, right? Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating book. Um, and so I was really interested in, well, what do we call things? Calling things is powerful, right? Naming things is powerful. So what if you cannot name it? What if you cannot call it? What does that mean? Does the sex act mean something else? Um and I play tested it uh, with uh, with a gentleman who I'm, you know, sleeping around with, um, mm -hmm. and he told me it was interesting for him because he never really quote in quote marks came out in this way at all, and he he came out while in a monogamous straight marriage, and mm -hmm. he is no longer monogamous, right? And he said so that coming out never happened because I realized I was bisexual in this marriage, but we were monogamous. So, so he was like, it was interesting voicing or not voicing some of these things and thinking about what voicing and not voicing means. 
Oh, that sounds amazing. And as you were describing it, I'm like, and it actually sounds so true to life for so many of these scenarios. It actually so, sounds a little fun. We should, like, it so, sounds a so little you hot, could, too. I'm like, oh, right, So you can be an again. alpha beta named Joey. All right. You're an alpha beta named Joey. Oh, can you be like I'll Chip be or Brad? Uh, no, or yeah. I'll oh, be Biff. Biff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Woo! Okay. We're going to be I'm a beta Sigma, and, and we have to have our wood paddles out for this one. We're both top. So, like, I think we'll just, which is perfect for something like this. <laughs> It really is. It really is. Oh my goodness! All the fucking possibilities. Oh, that's great. That this, is that, that's brilliant. That's that really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Lucian, you have a new game. Something about goths. What's what's going on with this one? Okay. So while I've been working on the Honey and Hot Wax anthology, I've also, in parallel, been working on um, a totally unrelated game. It is a tabletop role playing game and dating sim um, called Visigoths versus Molgoths. Um, so this is a um, obviously a comedic game. Um, it is a kind of a 90s um, counterculture mall throwback. The premise is that um, we have conflicts and romances among the warriors who sacked ancient Rome and 20th century spooky teens set in a shopping mall in a Los Angeles suburb in 1996. And it's very queer, <laughs> tons of queer NPCs. Um, it comes with an entire setting of this weird mall. Um, we have, you know, time travel going on. It comes with a bunch of adventures. Um, and this is a tabletop role-playing game, right? So there's dice. Um, and, you know, um, we, we don't call it a game master. We have the mall rat. Um, <laughs> and um, it's a lot of fun. It's very, like, um, think, you know, some kind of surreal combination of the craft and Clueless and Empire Records with like the time travel weirdness of Bill and Ted with all of that 90s counterculture overlay. And I'm proud to say I was one of the early playtesters. Yes. Um, So that um, was very successful on Kickstarter um, and will be coming out very soon. So um, I'm in the final stages of that. Um, That should be available um, for purchase in stores, you know, very soon. And Lucian, I think it's essential that you mention that the game idea came from like a joke you made on Twitter. It did. Um, and I mean, I was actually, you know, I'm, I'm 37 years old. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was not quite a goth. I was, I was technically grunge. They cared a lot about the distinction. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I did go to goth clubs. I used to go to perversion um, and go and go to dance and smoke cloves on the porch and all of that. Right. So, um, so I was part of that scene, although, um, you know, um, I think, I think a lot of the, the sort of inspiration from that game came from like, you know, the, the cool older LA goths would have said that I was a poser and I was like, well, why not write a game about posers? Right. So it's a, it's a <laughs> game, about, game about posers. <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. Thank you. So, okay. Going back to honey and hot wax as it's kind of a wrap up. Um, what do you hope? that the world will get from it, like from each of you. I'm curious to see like what, what your hope is for this project. So uh, threefold, well, multifold. I may, I may in- increase the folds. Uh, so one, I really want to uh, artistically expand the idea of what games can be, right? What 
constitutes a game, what are meaningful acts in a game. Uh, yes, giving a blowjob can can do something that furthers the story, and the game does not end with that. You can continue and forget the blowjob. Well, maybe not forget, but not mention the blowjob, right? Um, mm-hmm. For example. Uh, B, I want to increase uh, the idea – increase. I want to spread the idea – that games can talk about subjects that are outside of the mainstream, which is, you know, often colonial conquest or uh, amassing of treasure in this capitalistic way, right? Role-playing games especially. I want to further that notion that games can talk about various aspects of humanity. And again, I want to, I always tell people, I want to stress, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with games about conquering monsters and things, but I want to spread the idea that games can do more than just that. Um, I also uh, want to uplift indie game designers. That was one of our big things. all our grant money is going towards compensating the indie artists and game designers involved with the project because we think that uh, very often game designers uh, value uh, game designers aren't valued as much as other kinds of artists in many spheres. So we wanted to uh, do that, um, and we want from the the sex positive angle, we want to show a variety of perspectives about sex, sexuality, different sex practices genders and and ideas that different people approach these differently and learn about them differently and we want to spread that and both Lucian and I believe that games like any artistic medium have a role in spreading ideas of culture and so that is one of the ideas of culture that uh, we want to spread and which is why the Effing Foundation's mission aligns very well with this anthology. Awesome. Thank you. Um, in addition to everything that, that Sharon just said, um, I really want to give people tools and permission for using their imaginations in sexual contexts. So um, giving people um, not just sort of, you know, um, aphorisms and messages of, oh, you know, you're valid, you can do whatever you want, right? Um, You have agency, etc. But to actually give people some um, mechanisms and tools for imaginative play in a sexual context so that they can experiment with um, sexual possibilities that maybe had never occurred to them. And to do so in a game, to give people something of a structure can sometimes be an easier entry point than sort of um, the wide open possibilities of entering into, for example, a kink or a BDSM community where um, there is kind of like um, just so many options um, that... Um, somebody might just not know where to start, right? So I think it can be an interesting doorway um, into exploring imaginative sexual activity to, to actually have some structure. Awesome. You know what? And I think a lot of our fans are sex workers, and I think that uh, like all of them will get a little bit of something out of this. So dominatrixes can definitely use a lot of these for sessions. Uh, people that work on camera, uh, whether you're in adult films or whether you're a cam person, you know, you can use this stuff to like, it, it would be a great thing to do for imagine like on Chatterbait or something like that to use some of the ideas behind this and you can do interactive stuff with your fans and um, yeah, that sounds lifestyle really BDSM people. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. Really quick though. I want to have one last question for Kit. Kit, can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of your favorite effing grant foundation grants? Oh my goodness. Um, Top three. 
Oh, that's like, that's it's like, like asking for who are your favorite Who's your favorite kids? children? Like, yeah, what's your fa- exactly, who's your favorite right? kid? This is why this is why this is difficult. Um, <laughs> it, no, it really, really is. Kids right? getting emails. Why do you hate I me? <laughs> yeah, what, what should we not ask about? Don't make me pick favorites. All right, so so I I do indeed. I treasure all of the projects that we funded. I'm I'm excited to work with all of the amazing artists and educators that we work with. Um, in particular, this past year, we funded some intersex activists for the first time. So Ooh, we have funded nice. the very interesting project uh, with Hans Lindahl, um, which is a series of videos focused on intersex joy with intersex folks just talking to each other about dating, sex, friendship, reclaiming sexuality, um, and really being able for, for those intersex folks to claim that space and tell their own stories. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm ex- like I'm basically just like scrolling through the website and like I'm almost picking at random just because there's I mean everything is so good. If you go to effing.org/grantees, you can see the mm-hmm. whole list. Um, let's see. I'm also I'm really excited about the Black Girls Guide to Surviving Men- Menopause, which Ooh. yes, it oh, is. Oh, I need to get you that. A dialogue yeah. <laughs> project. So you've got Black women and femmes who are sharing their realities their stories of what it's like to be over 50 um you know from that very um from that perspective that again we don't necessarily hear as much about um, right and so like i was really excited to see that one come across oh i'm um, so excited i got one more here and i'm there I'm in oh 50 yeah minutes, it's so I'm <laughs> like yeah we got yeah so many things um i can give a shout out to the native youth sexual health network Um, We've supported them a couple of years. They are a grassroots indigenous-led community organization to support the sexual health of indigenous folks, including Two-Spirit and LGBTQIA plus folks. That's all like indigenous run. Um, Again, it's native youth supporting each other. And uh, again, I I don't know of any other project that's doing what they do. So we're we're honored to be- And my last very important question, who thought of the genius name Effing Grant? Because that, I've gotten such- (laughs) amusement off from that yeah oh, thank you well so as it turns out naming things is hard <laughs> uh, i don't know if anyone has ever can i quote you problem. on that please oh yes naming things is hard dr kit stubbs um yes it's so true so i have been working towards what would become the foundation since about 2012 mm-hmm. and a few years in it was you know i'm like getting all my paperwork to, you know, it's like dotting your eyes, crossing your T's, assembling your board, getting everything together. And it's like, oh man, we need a name. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we called it the effing foundation? And like six months later, I had no better ideas. And I was like, <laughs> I give up effing it is. Um, and yeah, we were, we were able to get EFFING.org. Um, we bought it from Mr. Christoph Effing in Germany. Uh, seriously? Oh, like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, who was like, oh, this is because my name is sort of a joke in English, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> kind of. But he's, he was very supportive of our mission. So I certainly appreciate that. Oh, that's that. cool. Oh, but, that's amazing. So have you had the opportunity to take like a wad of money and go to somebody and say, here's your effing grant? Oh, I mean, those phone calls are like the <laughs> highlight of my year. Like, yeah. That is the most fun thing. It, it is like it is like being Santa, and yet not at all like being Santa. Nice. Um, but yeah, getting to call folks and being like, "Yes, you know, we believe in you. We want to work with you. Here is the money. We don't we don't make restrictions on the grants that we give. So literally, whatever helps get the work done, we will pay for." 
So, you know, yeah, that's that's paying your artists so they can actually afford to take time to design the game. Or, you know, someone needs a new laptop so they can actually record their podcast. Like, whatever it is, you know, that's helping get this work done, we will fund it. And that's really That's important. amazing. That's amazing. And Thank so you. for people listening going, oh, my goodness, all these projects sound effing amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give me that website one more time where they can actually donate. Yes, yeah, to- so you want to go to E-F-F-I-N-G dot O-R-G. Awesome. And I will also have in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for all the listeners. I'll have everyone's, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. But the important thing is we got the Effing Foundation website. We also need the found or the we also need the website for the honey and hot wax pre-order because that's like happening, right? Yeah. So yep. that will be um on um Pelgrane Press is the publisher. Um mm-hmm. and um there should be a link in the show notes for the anthology itself. Um and by the time this um is going into the ears of listeners, um there will be a button for ordering pre-orders. Oh, yay! I'm so excited. That's I'm amazing. So excited. And Pelgrane Press, I absolutely love them. I love their Cthulhu stuff. The one-on-one series they have is incredible. Mm-hmm. And Kat Tobin, the, uh, one of the heads of Pelgrane, was really, really supportive of the project when I first approached her. She said the mission is really cool. Uh, a lot, like she, Her idea is I want to make games that are interesting, that do unique things, uh, and I would argue um, that these games are unique things, but also that spread like a social good. Like She's really interested in that kind of thing, and she's been very supportive. Kit and Kat have been our like advisors kind of thing for this project, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been really great working with them. Pelgrane awesome. has been a, really a delight to work with. They've, they've been really mm-hmm. great. Oh, wonderful. And now it's like, okay, so we just moved to a new city, and we just started hosting gaming at our house. We were playing Pathfinder. Now I kind of want to do a second game night and do, like, dirty games. Okay. Yes. 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 Do it. Dirty games would be awesome. So maybe coming to a a, uh, undisclosed private house in Vegas near you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, near me. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know where it is because you live there. Caesar's uh, Palace (laughs) Living Room Edition. Dirty Games. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, all. This has been amazing. I'm really excited to play some of these games and I want to do like, I want to have the sex party room where let's do it. We can run games. That would be yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. And, and I think that the littles and the middles are going to love this too. There's going to be a lot of adaptability that gives them more games to play other than just coloring books. That's true. That is true. Well, cool. Thanks all. Thanks we so much will, for having uh, us. This was so yeah, great. Yeah. We'll so be in touch. Lovely. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. 
Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.